Hi, friends, and welcome to episode 2.5 of the second season of the Lessons from Dead Guys podcast. If you're kind of new to what's going on, the whole deal with these .5 episodes is a way for me to push out more content um, that I hope will be beneficial to listeners without kind of overloading. So this episode will hopefully be in the range of just 10 to 15 minutes long compared to the standard episodes being in the realm of 30 plus minutes long. So that's kind of the whole idea for these .5 episodes is that really they're just mini episodes and the guy we're going to talk about today really isn't fit for a mini episode. Um, I could do a season, a whole season on Thomas Merton, but I just really, there's some things in his book, New Seeds of Contemplation that I read last year that I just knew I wanted to just really talk about and it was just something that would fit perfectly, I think, within a smaller time frame or could at least be reduced to work within a time frame that's smaller. So uh, Thomas Merton, he was a Trappist monk, Catholic. You know, he's a mystic, a writer. Um, he, he, he was born in January um, of 1915 and died in 1968. Uh, he's a very prolific author. He's written over 70 works and then of books and then uh, essays and things like that. And um, kind of his main places where he focuses most of his time in his writings are on spirituality and mysticism, so- social justice, and then pacifism. So I was really drawn to him, uh, uh, to say the least. But uh, like I said, he was just really just brilliant dude. He he was one of the beginning voices that really began to pioneer a lot of the interfaith dialogue between the Christian faith and uh, specifically Eastern Asian religions. So, you know, like him and the Dalai Lama were tight. <laughs> well, don't quote me that. I don't know that they were really tight, but, you know, they they did open up dialogue with each other. I, I know that. But uh, Thomas Merton, um, he got a lot of recognition um, when the Vietnam War was going on because he completely stood against you know, any form of violence or war and things like that. And he, like I said, he wrote a lot on social justice. And kind of what we're talking about today kind of falls into those lines some, but uh, more on an individual level. And uh, the reason for this title, you know, the title of this episode is Thomas Merton and the Question of Worthiness. And in um, New Seeds of Contemplation, there's this chapter called A Body of Broken Bones. And it's where he begins to talk about hate and love and worthiness and unworthiness and um, what it means for us as humans and, you know, how it drives us and things like that and how these ideas drive us. Um, And I guess I'll just start with this kind of excerpt from him. And uh, he says, he starts off talking about hate and we'll get to worthiness, but it's kind of, it's really all tied in. But he says, strong hate The hate that takes joy in hating is strong because it does not believe itself to be unworthy and alone. It feels the support of of a justifying God, of an idol of war, an avenging and destroying spirit. From From such blood drinking gods, the human race was once liberated with great toil and terrible sorrow by the death of a God who delivered himself to the cross and suffered the pathological cruelty of his own creatures out of, the, out of pity for them. In conquering death, he opened their eyes to the reality of a love which asks no questions about worthiness, a love which overcomes hatred and destroys death, 
But men have now come to reject this divine revelation of pardon, and they are consequently returning to the old war gods, the gods that insatiably drink blood and eat the flesh of men. It is easier to serve the hate gods because they thrive on the worship of collective fanaticism. To serve the hate gods, one has only to be blinded by collective passion. To serve the God of love, one must be free. One must face the terrible responsibility of the decision to love in spite of all unworthiness, whether in oneself or in one's neighbor. So Thomas Merton, he, he starts off, he's talking about how you know this, this hatred that we, we have in ourselves, and he even goes on later to talk and kind of address the people who claim they don't hate and that they, you know, see all as completely equal and I know there are people like that and he kind of just addresses it later and it would be easy to take him out of context so just kind of be I guess ready for that (laughs) Um, so he talks about this hate and how it, it is really driven by this idea this division within us this us versus them mentality is because we think we're worthy and they're not. And I kind of touched on that in the last episode about Brennan Manning, about how you know we were never given the responsibility or or the command or the honor or you know the authority to say who is in and who is out. But we have this. It seems like humanity has this this insatiable need to create these lines and barriers and boxes to say who's worthy and who's unworthy, who's in and who's out, who. Who needs to be destroyed and who needs to live? Who needs to rot in hell and who needs to inherit uh, eternal life? We we seem bent on those kind of things. And so Thomas Merton, he, he talks about it and he talks about how that, that hatred, that idea that you're worthy and someone else isn't worthy fuels the worst kinds of things. And, you know, he uses a lot of... Um, more poetic uh, or you know descriptive imagery talking about how you know the, these gods of hate these uh, and he's not talking about literal gods but he's talking about you know the literally hate is a god so it becomes a god it becomes a, a driving force by how we see the world and and we do things and this hate has led to all kinds of atrocities and early on in this chapter he, he talks about he specifically targets war and things like that about how they're simply you know the weak gods of hatred that that have declared that people are worship, and so they believe that we're we're worthy, so we must destroy those because they are unworthy and and things like that. And I know that's not necessarily something I've ever had to deal with because I'm not someone who's a warmonger. But that doesn't mean I don't have hate in my heart. That doesn't mean I don't have uh, I don't show partiality um, with the people I encounter in this world. And it doesn't mean that I don't, in which I do, <laughs> very much still so much treat myself as either worthy or unworthy and other people as worthy or unworthy. And on a personal level, it, it can be a vicious cycle because you're you're constantly feeling, you know, this battle. And I, I think I talked about it in the last episode about how Brendan Manning really saved so much of my my life and laid some groundwork for me to just be able to receive the grace of God because I always felt so unworthy. And because I felt unworthy, in many senses, it caused me to create a false sense of worth. And, and that really began, the more I wanted to be worthy, the more I treated people like they were unworthy so I could I guess fuel the fact that I was worthy or the delusion rather that I was worthy of, of love or whatever it is. But like Thomas Merton says, to serve the God of love, one must be free and one must face the terrible responsibility of the, of the decision to love in spite of all unworthiness. 
And so that's, that's where we have to start. We have to, uh, I think, is start um, in a place to where we're willing to love people and love ourselves despite the fact that we're unworthy. And Thomas Merton starts there, but he kind of ends up contradicting that later on in this chapter. But it, he's having to lay some groundwork to get us, um, I guess, in the right mindset. And so later on in this chapter, he goes on. And he, he, he says this, he says, The root of Christian, lo- Christian love is not the will to love, but the faith that one is loved. The faith that one is loved by God, that faith, that faith that one is loved by God, although unworthy or rather irrespective of one's worth. So he goes on to say, he says, The root of Christian love is not this, you know, force or this pure, it's, it's not a product of our will to love somebody who we don't love. Or that's hard to love because we have those people in our lives that are hard to love, and it may be even ourselves. Because I know Ryan Cagle is very hard to love sometimes, even from my own standpoint. It's hard to love me because of the th- some of the just ridiculously dumb things I do. I told uh, the youth group at the church I'm a youth director at last night that I am a horrible human. I'm, I'm horrible at being a good human, and and even worse at being a Christian. And I'm not saying those things to even put myself down now because really I'm still learning about what this this podcast is really about. So, but so he, he says this, he says that it's not, it's not an act of will or, you know, forced within ourselves to make ourselves love people, but it, it starts with faith because we have to, we have to believe first and foremost that we are loved. And like I said in the last episode, that we have to understand that there's nothing more true about us than the fact that we are loved. And then we have to be able to not only love ourselves, but love our neighbor in, in the same way and have it's not a we got to remember to force ourselves to love people but we have to look at those people and know that they are loved and believe that they are loved by God and if they're loved by God then and we know that then of course that love is going to channel right back through us because if we're abiding in that love and in that understanding we we can't show partiality to them anymore but he goes on and he says in the true christian vision of god's love the idea of worthiness loses its significance. Revelation of the mercy of God makes the whole problem of worthiness something almost laughable. The discovery that worthiness is of no special consequence is a true liberation of the spirit, and until this discovery is made, until this liberation has been brought about by the divine mercy, man is imprisoned in hate. Humanistic love will not serve as long as we believe that we hate no one, that we are merciful, and that we are kind by our very nature. We deceive ourselves. Our hatred is merely smoldering under the gray ashes of complacent optimism. We are apparently at peace with everyone because we think we are worthy. That is to say that we have lost the capacity to face the question of unworthiness at all. But when we are delivered by the mercy of God, the question no longer has meaning. Hatred tries to cure disunion by annihilating those who are not united with us. It seeks peace by elimination of everybody else but ourselves. But love, by its acceptance of the pain of reunion, begins to heal all wounds. So 
he he goes on he says you know that true love true the true understanding of christian love makes this idea of worthy and unworthy in and out us and them completely laughable it it literally makes it seem ridiculous because that's exactly what it is and it, he goes on and says you know when we're liberated by that and we come to the knowledge by the power of the spirit that worthiness and unworthiness both are completely and equally meaningless when it comes to the true fabric of who we are and the vision of god and God's love in the grand scheme of everything, then and only then can we begin to bear the pain of reunion. And we can begin to bear the pain of reconciliation and heal the wounds that have separated us and caused racial divisions and socioeconomic divisions and family divisions. And, and that's what it goes back to. And, and so when we can grasp a hold of this idea that there is that worthiness and unworthiness are equally worthless of our time and our opinions and our thoughts about ourselves and about the people around us. Then and only then can we begin to see true union and true love and true healing begin to take place in the earth and in our churches and our communities and our families and in those places. When we come to the place where we know it, it doesn't matter in our minds it worthiness and unworthiness are not even a thought anymore but it is simply love we love ourselves because we have first been loved and is because we've been loved by god first and and then we love our neighbor as we love ourselves because we know that we're lovable or that we 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 are loved despite anything and everything we're loved and if we're loved then that means of course our neighbor's loved so why would that not grow and expand out of that i guess so you know, uh, I really just, uh, when I first read that, I, I've literally, this whole chapter is pretty much underlined in this book. I'm one of those awful people who underline and like write all in the margins of books when I get them. But that whole thing that connects down everything I just really wanted to focus in on is simply that one line where he says, the revelation of the mercy of God makes the whole problem of worthiness something almost laughable. The discovery that worthiness is of no special consequence is a true liberation of the Spirit. So for us, for me, and for the church, we have to be a people that we're not worried about whether someone's worthy or not. Because I think often we throw that language around and it's, and it's a way for us to understand, oh, I'm, I'm so unworthy, I'm such an unworthy sinner, and I'm so thankful for and it. We think it's a way for us to be able to understand God's love more. And I guess in some measures and in, in, in some foundational work it is, but we do have to move further beyond that. Yeah, you, you can think, you know, if it takes you believing, you know, that you're unworthy and you're just an unworthy sinner for you to experience God's love initially, fine, but... God's love is going to carry you past that because those things, worthiness and unworthiness, are completely ridiculous when it comes to the matters of God and the fact that we're loved. We don't love people because they're worthy, and we don't love people because they're unworthy. We love people because we're supposed to love people. We love people because we are loved, despite worthiness, despite unworthiness, despite what we've done great. What we've done awful, despite our good deeds, our bad deeds, our failures, our mistakes, our successes, all of that just completely disappears when the true spirit, the liberating spirit of love, the spirit of God, reveals to us the magnitude of his love. 
And so the challenge is to be that love that loves everyone around us, whether they're worthy or not, whether they're clean or dirty, whether they're Gentile or Jew or barbarian or Scythian or male or female, whether they make this much money a year or they don't make this much money a year, all of those things. Love is the great equalizer in this world. And that's all we're called to do is love. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Not to make questions, judgments, or assumptions about someone's life and their worthiness or their unworthiness or whatever it is. So if you're struggling with worthiness, know you're loved. If you're struggling with inflated sense of worth, understand that God, that that is ridiculous. Because if you allow it to stay in your heart, then it's going to blind you to those around you. And it's going to continue to perpetuate and sever you and create barriers between you and the people that are made in God's image. And if you are struggling with feelings of unworthiness, you need to understand that your love, despite and in spite of any and all of it, that, that those things don't even matter. They have no bearing on God's love for you. So anyways, like I said, Thomas Merton, Trappist monk, I'm running over <laughs> for it to be a mini episode. And fantastic if you can pick up new seeds of contemplation or any book he's ever written brilliant 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 man um i can't say enough good about him so anyways this was episode 2.5 of the lessons from dead guys podcast uh thank you you can you know leave a review on itunes to help me out you can subscribe to our newsletter letters from dead guys on and you can even pre-order um our first ever advent uh, devotional, and it's going to be for this 2016 coming new year, church year. Uh, it's called Advent for the Rest of Us. You can find links for those on my websites, and I've been posting on them on Twitter, all that fun stuff. Even on my website, there's an annoying little pop-up. So, you know, it just it's right there in your face. So that's ryancagle.com. You don't even have to look for lessons from Dead Guys Podcast to get there. Um, and all that will be in the show notes. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening in. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father.